Hi, this is Kenneth Courtson and this is One on One with ADC Partners. Hi, this is Dave Almy of ADC Partners. Well, suffice it to say that, at least from a marketing perspective, the 2022 World Cup of Qatar is off to an eventful start. In this special World Cup edition of the podcast, I'm joined by Danish sports business professional and soccer expert Kenneth Kortzen. We break down the many stories that have already emerged, including the Budweiser fiasco, the Danish equipment maker Hummel's strategy for the tournament, and the potential for long-term damage to the FIFA brand and their many, many partnerships. Kenneth also reveals which Danish specialties he avoids at all cost and how many mermaids he's seen, so there's a little something for everyone. Let's start by establishing your resume as a global soccer genius. You're like become my expert witness here, all right? So I want to like kind of give a little setup. So let's let's start, all right? So, First and foremost, you have a PhD in sports business, correct? Correct. I did my PhD dissertation on sports branding and how various sports branding levels interact and how you can capitalize on the sports branding process. All right. So sports branding, PhD. Okay. You've also written textbooks on sports marketing and branding, correct? Correct. I published uh, a sports management book that came out last year in 2021 where there's a section on the industry a section on sports marketing one on sports management and one on the economics of sports okay. if memory serves there was a uh, there was an inclusion from a from a podcast host in there from that in that text exactly great <laughs> great uh, case on sports sponsorship <laughs> all right you've also consulted on all possible manner of sports organizations and how to optimize it. I mean, there's everything from, I think I was reading like everything from soccer to billiards, right? And in all points in between, like giving them advice on how to make their businesses more effective, correct? Correct. Yep. Uh, in Denmark and abroad. All right. Any sports organizations that stick out in your mind, like, wow, I can't believe I actually consulted with those folks. <laughs> no, like, not in particular but there's a lot of soccer organizations also right. given my passion for for the sport of soccer all right so speaking of the passion for the sport of soccer, you're a very successful soccer coach i have been somewhat successful in terms of a few of the teams uh, i have coached uh, the last one was the women's team in orbog bk in Denmark, which I took from the bottom of the third tier to the best league in Denmark. So All right. some, somewhat successful. <laughs> I, I would call that personally very successful, but I realize you're being modest. It's sort of a natural tendency too. All right. And lastly, and perhaps right now, most importantly, you have two soccer obsessed sons right now. Uh, one of which we were just talking about is competing at some of the highest levels in Danish soccer, right? Yeah, my, my oldest is playing for the under-13s in Orborg BK, and they are top team in the nation. At least they won their conference this year. So um, very enthusiastic about uh, the game, and so is my youngest. And I guess it runs with the family. It runs in the family. You passed it down yeah. very effectively. So I think it's safe to say then, Kenneth Courtson, that you are the all-knowing, all-seeing oracle 
of of soccer and that's why we're and for our international audience of which i know there is legion we are going to be calling it soccer for the context of this conversation we understand that kenneth you just call it football but just sort of establish that out of the gate okay fair enough fair enough uh, dave hopefully that's not offensive all right you know we americans we we call things whatever we want we call a game it's played with your hands football so go figure (laughs) all right so let's do this in order to start the conversation let's start by setting a baseline for what it means about the world cup and sports marketing all right because safe to say that other than the olympics the world cup is probably the biggest possible stage for sports marketers. Can you give a little context for that? Provide us just like how big a deal this moment is for sports marketers around the world? I I think, you know, the World Cup, it's a massive and global stage. Um, We we are dealing with the most popular sport in the world. It's truly a global sport. There is a fantastic level of accessibility to play the sport. Uh, so, I mean, it only takes a ball basically to to play soccer and um, it, it's a game that's played all over the world. So it is uh, a global phenomenon. It's, uh, it's also a game with, has, which has experienced lots of commercialization and mm-hmm. professionalization over the course of time since the first cup was hosted in uruguay in 1930 so now we see it in in qatar 2022 it's it's also an event that was um, very expensive the most expensive world cup in in the history of of the fifa world cup so so it's interesting in 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 many ways and we also have seen some long-term sponsors of the FIFA World Cup, such as Coca-Cola, Adidas, and other long-term sponsors that have have found that, you know, the World Cup in, in the most uh, popular sport in the world can definitely move customers and market shares. But it is that commonality, right? To your point that you just brought up, I mean, it, mm. y- all you need is a ball and, yeah. and you can play it. And so around the world, that accessibility, that familiarity, that's what that passion, which evolves, you know, evolves from that access. That's what sports marketers are really trying to tap into. And it does, because of that accessibility, everybody's close to it, right? It, it, yeah. It's so prevalent. And there's not anything like that in, 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 in the global sports pantheon, I guess, right? That's what mm-hmm. marketers are really seeing here. Isn't it? Yeah, and I mean, people have asked why Coca-Cola, Adidas, and other long-term sponsors haven't canceled the collaboration with FIFA and the World Cup in, in the aftermath also of some of the negative events that happened, such as, you know, the corruption right. uh, scandals. And, and my, my simple answer as a guy that does research and consulting in sports branding and sports marketing is there's only one World Cup and, and yep. all these brains understand and uh, are fully conscious about the fact if they drop the collaboration with FIFA, I mean, if Adidas does it, Nike will be there. If Coca-Cola does, uh, does it, um, Pepsi will be there. So there's only one World Cup and it is such a lucrative event from a financial and marketing standpoint. 
So it's just like, it's fair to say then like some of these brands, they're there because they see the opportunity to engage and connect with this global audience, but also they're being a little defensive, right? They, they don't want yeah. their competitors getting access to that, even with some of the challenges, which offers a natural segue into a key point here, right? And let's talk about the decision to host the World Cup in Qatar, because that was a controversial pick for a number of reasons. Can you give a quick rundown on what some of those reasons for people who might not be familiar with it, despite, you know, this has obviously been 12 years in the making. Yeah. I mean, um, the, the 2022 FIFA world cup in Qatar uh, has also been the subject uh, of, of a lot of criticism mm. because of human rights abuses, yeah. whether this is regarding migrant workers or people from um, the LGBT community being, mm. being, you know, um, subject for abuses, you know, mm -hmm. environmental concerns, maybe another uh, thing uh, that may have caused negative impact because Qatar is not a country with a lot of football and soccer infrastructure. So suddenly, you know, you needed to build all that soccer related infrastructure. What about after use? Because there's not, there's not the same soccer uh, or sports culture in Qatar that you see in Germany or in the US where um, the stadiums or venues may be used by right. the national or domestic league. Afterwards. They had to build everything from scratch. Yeah, exactly. And what does it do to the match day calendar of the professional players that suddenly we need to, to play a World Cup in November or December? What, what about the fan festivals and the fan culture? What about the sporting and safety conditions for, for the players because of the heat? So, right. so my question is, 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 this, is this a World Cup uh, being hosted in Qatar that is well aligned with the expectations for sustainability, for CSR, for good uh, corporate citizenship? here in 2022. And uh, I think that's highly questionable. Because these are becoming much more significant issues now for sponsors, right? In the past, I think a lot of companies would try to downplay any um, societal or political issues that they got caught up in, in order to just kind of keep the brand apart from anything that might be considered controversial. Mm. That's no longer the case, is it? No, I mean, what we have seen uh, over the course of time is also because of the internet. Suddenly we live in a global village, uh, like Marshall McLuhan once said, uh, and, and we also see that uh, consumers today are much more critical than than they used to be because they have a stronger voice. Just mm -hmm. look at the the technology and the the so me or social media platforms that are are giving a stronger wo voice to to consumers. So I, I think brands have to be very authentic uh, mm -hmm. in in terms of what they stand for today and. If, if you take FIFA as an example, as a strong sports brand, uh, at least in terms of the people they touch, mm -hmm. it's also a sports brand where you can question the va their values in terms of, you know, the corruption scandals that right. I mentioned before. But also here we are dealing with a brand that is, is preaching. Uh, the importance of creating a better world. So, so they have activities in terms of CSR, 
they are talking about the importance of diversity but at the same time they they are hosting their premium events in a country um where they are not treating people from from you know for instance the lgbt community in you know a respectful and and good manner so you have the fifa brand which mm. says that it's you know it's all about community and global citizenry and uh, corporate social responsibility and sustainability it's it's saying all these things but the practice of what they're doing hosting the games of qatar which has a less than sterling reputation as far as mm. human rights goes really seems to run at cross purposes with what they're saying and that's a real danger to a brand isn't it Totally. I, yeah. I often tell my students and also, you know, people that I consult with in terms of sports branding, one thing is to stick with the brand promise, mm -hmm. but, but, but your brand promise must also not only talk the talk, but also walk the talk. So there must be a clear alignment in terms of what you're saying you want to do and, and what you actually do. Yeah, and, you can't just say that this and, is what and, we stand for. No, no, no. And yeah. And, yeah. Most importantly, sport is always a reflection of the surrounding society, and mm -hmm. we have we have seen we have seen um, the direction that especially the Western part of the world is 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 moving in in terms of you know focus on sustainability and and social responsibilities. So you 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 can't ignore that, or you can't have gaps between what you say you are doing and what you're actually doing. That's that's not working in a world where you know consumers are one uh, more critical than than ever, and at the same time they are all also more enlightened, enlightened and intelligent than than ever. And vocal, in, right? To your point, yeah, Everybody, yeah, yeah. We yeah, all exactly. have a platform now. I'm gonna, I'm tweeting about this conversation right now, as a matter of fact. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's also so that's a sports organization, but you do see some of the sponsors and suppliers start to put these kinds of actions in practice. All right, so let's let's use the let's use the example of Hummel. All right, the yeah. the, the Danish company that's supplying the Danish. Uh, national soccer team. And I, and I don't know yeah. if we mentioned this up at the top, but you are Danish. So this is something that is uh, very close yeah. to you. And the team is obviously very important to you as well. So for most apparel makers, particularly those with a significant stake in soccer, which is most of them, uh, the World Cup is about as big as it gets, right? This is your opportunity to showcase that relationship in a very overt way. Hummel, though, like we said, supplies the Danish national team, but rather than trying to draw attention to what they're doing, they're downplaying it a little bit. Can you talk a little bit about that and what they're doing with the Danish national jerseys and, and how that's coming out? Yeah, I mean, there, there was a long partnership between um, the Danish national team uh, and, and the sports brand Hummel. Mm -hmm. um, and although Adidas was a sponsor for Denmark for some years, Hummel uh, be became sponsor again. Very good. And, 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 and Hummel is also a company that is, is well known for their approach to corporate values mm -hmm. in alignment with what they call company karma 
Christian Steril, who is one of one of the key persons and also you know uh, owner of of Hummel, uh, has practiced Buddhism. When we know about Buddhism and the importance of being compassionate, so mm -hmm. for, for me it, it it's not a surprise that we saw suddenly. Um, that Hummel wanted to tone down the football kits for for Denmark in in this year's World Cup in Qatar as a, a way to to show their support towards the families that lost loved ones uh, when you know migrant workers mm -hmm. di died after building uh, World Cup stadiums and and at the same time Hummel also said we develop um, a third uh, kit that is black mm -hmm. to uh, highlight you know the color of mourning because these these workers died doing their job which was building world cup stadiums and and so this was a way where at least from my point of view and, mm -hmm. and how i know hummel and also uh, the values of Christian Stadil and and the mm -hmm. company it, it was a way to do something that, of course, stated a clear opinion about the fact that we, we don't feel it's okay how Qatar has treated the workers. Mm -hmm. We don't feel it's okay that we have seen all these human rights violations in Qatar. And most importantly, we, we don't believe in, in such values and such behavior and it is the way I see it, at least, also aligned with a lot of the Western, um, Western, you know, opinions that the World Cup should never have been hosted by. Qatar. So it doesn't it doesn't surprise you, right? That it it, it nope. matches your expectation for what you know about Hummel and who they say they are and what values and company karma, to use your phrase. Yeah, yeah. Do you do you think it's a smart decision for them to do so? You need to stick to the brand promise, uh, whether it's smart or not. Mm. Um, it also depends on on the markets they mm -hmm. want to conquer. It depends on on the contexts and you know the perceptions in these markets. But from my point of view, I, I think it's 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 a clever way to demonstrate uh, that what is happening in Qatar is not okay. Uh, and yeah. Okay. I, I think the majority of people in uh, our part of the world where mm -hmm. there's a lot of focus on good governance and mm -hmm. sustainability and, and such believe that, I mean, sport is also a powerful marketing vehicle and, and also a powerful platform to create a better world. And I think, you know, if if violations are taking place in the world, why don't we we see more brands trying to to influence the world to become a better place? I think what happened in Russia, for instance, in 2014 in mm -hmm. relation to the Winter Olympics was not okay because there was also a very uh, negative uh, treatment of, for instance, the LGBT mm -hmm. environment and none of the brands brands tried to do anything everybody just kind of shrugged their shoulders yeah yeah and and from my point of view that's not good enough but it's also i mean we're also doing quick math in my head so that was 2014 so we're eight years 
that's a whew, math, yeah. math is tough on the fly for me. I mean, it's we're eight years past, like, and it's 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 a pretty dramatic change from that period of time. I, I think it's a dramatic change. I think you do see brands yeah. like Hummel, like saying, you know what, we're not going to display our logo on the jerseys, brightly. We're going to make it tone on tone. We are going to have a black kit. So they're yeah. making this very thing. It's very much in line with who the company is. So it does keep that brand promise. It's different yeah. than FIFA, which is kind of saying one thing and kind of actually doing another. Yeah. Do you expect other brands to follow Hummel's lead for this World Cup? Or is, is everything too set now and everybody's plans are already running? It's, it's just what it is. It's going to be too difficult for them to pivot. From my point of view, branding is is also about first mover advantages mm -hmm, and, and mm -hmm. branding in a sports marketing or sports sponsorship context is is always about tapping into the cultural relevance linked to the situation. So with this in mind, I, I don't expect to to see copies of this marketing stunt from Hummel, which is also uh, can can give be be characterized uh, as but i mm -hmm. think that we will continue to see campaigns in sports with similar messages and hence striving to produce a, a a better world that's that's a trend that is on the on the grow at the moment is there a danger for brands who are at qatar and invested in the world cup to have say marketing message out there about inclusivity and a sport for all um, sort of those larger contextual messages but then is that damaged by, by the idea that they're actually in Qatar and participating in this World Cup which does have you know a, a tough message attached to it by just being there do those run at odds with one another yeah it's a good question uh, Dave and and I believe that it is it, it is sophisticated. I mean, I don't believe yeah. in a boy, in a boycott of of the games, mm. but but I believe in in actions. And if if you have a powerful voice, how can you use that voice to change the world for the better? Right. I remember on on Danish TV. I think it was in the end of September. Um, I was on Good Morning uh, Denmark at TV Two, and we. I had, love that. I love that show. It's, yeah. one, of, it's one of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and we had a we had a discussion with um, the CSR director of Coca Cola, and uh, my point was that some of these brands haven't done enough because Coca Cola is a long term sponsor of FIFA. Why mm. haven't we seen these brands that pay enormous, you know, amounts of of dollars to to FIFA trying to influence? where the World Cup is hosted, mm -hmm. trying to say it's not okay you host your premium event in, in a country where there are human rights violations. And yeah. I mean, they have done things in terms of, you know, trying to, to change that. But the question is, is it enough? Could Could some of these brands have joined forces to you know, provide an even stronger voice to, to, you know, act as a change agent. Well, let's talk about one of the positions that one of the sponsors currently finds themselves in, right? So hmm. Qatar is obviously a predominantly Muslim country and it severely restricts uh, access to alcohol. 
leading up to the games, there was uh, an understanding, particularly an understanding from <laughs> Budweiser, a enormous FIFA sponsor, that yeah. uh, beer was going to be allowed to be sold in the stadiums. And then literally, literally days before days before kickoff, Qatar did a complete out, about face. Right. They said, sorry, yeah. no, no beer allowed in the stadiums, only non-alcoholic beer allowed in the stadiums, which yeah. is kind of a very, a very big second place trophy for most of the people who are, yeah. who are going. So Budweiser, they, that's a $75 million investment for them. And yeah. they just saw the major business case for their investment fly out the window. Yeah. So how does this impact these partnerships going forward and, and what changes do you think will come out of this yeah i mean i think it's it's a big problem i mean there, there was also a question in relation to the world cup in brazil in 2014 mm. um because back in 2003 um brazil banned alcohol in in their football stadiums to prevent uh, okay so this is not unprecedented turmoil no no mm -hmm. but but back then it was interesting to to see that they said there's not going to be a ban uh, at all mm -hmm. that happened in in brazil mm -hmm. so i was surprised by by this example here in qatar but it tells a narrative about the enormous power of fifa mm -hmm. and the fifa world cup as one of the most lucrative sports rights in in the world when it comes to to moving customers and market shares and i think that the problem is although it, it's it is still possible for for supporters to consume alcohol in designated fan zones and also for some of you know the vip sponsors but i think the u-turn that we suddenly saw here it's not okay because mm. sponsorship is always an exchange process and the best partnerships uh, over time are also a function of trust and good communication. And I mean, if, if you see this sudden change without that being communicated, apparently it's definitely a concern in, in, in terms of brands wanting to to do business with fifa in 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 the years to come also i gotta be honest with you i i've read something about the chairman of fifa saying something along the lines of i mean i'm gonna paraphrase here yeah. but he basically said oh get over it it's just three hours during the game you can go without drinking a beer if i'm the folks at budweiser and I've spent $75 million and I've built a pretty significant business case on the back of being able to sell beer at the stadium. Yeah. And I read this, let's call it what it is, dismissive attitude by the guy who is supposed to look out for your interests. Yeah. I'm telling every lawyer that I can get my hands on to start writing up papers for what is going to be a clearly massive lawsuit. Did that, does that response kind of surprise you? You just said it. These relationships are built on trust and the guy, yeah. it, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember his name right now. He just kind of blew that trust up. Like, how can we, how can we have a relationship with you if you're just going to be like, meh, sorry. Yeah. And they, it's a good point, Dave. The, the phrase that 
it it takes two to tango is yeah, for yes. me a good good analogy to describe that yeah. sports sponsorship is a dialogical partnership that's also what we emphasize in our book and so in other words sponsorship is always an exchange process in which dialogue exchange of expectations mm. mutual trust and the understanding of image transfer activities are vital for success of each partner's brand activation i mean recently we have seen two other major sports brands in in football or soccer cristiano ronaldo and manchester united battle in heated arguments and uh, yeah, yeah. accusations through the media and is this a benefit for any of these brands i mean my ad advice would be to stay close together and work professionally with your partners to build the legacy the professional partnership progress and credibility needed to be perceived as relevant and authentic brands as of 2022 and and i mean with this in mind this 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 is something that is not good for fifa it's not good for the business of Budweiser because brand activation is a function of bringing the brand to life so I mean, enough said about this. The rest is for research and consulting. I mean, not a good, not a good case for FIFA. Not a good case for Budweiser. Do you have advice for either one of them? I mean, <laughs> other than fellas, we're working out behind closed doors. I mean, it's unlike you know, like the you brought the Cristiano Ronaldo and Manchester United. Everything's happening in the press. I mean, I clearly that opportunity has passed for FIFA and Budweiser, but. Yeah, I think we think that the stakes for FIFA right now are really, really high because let's face it, the pool of companies that can play at the level of Budweiser, it's not that deep, right? I mean, you know, they're going to have prospective partners looking at this and thinking, well, FIFA's going to screw over Budweiser. What are they going to do to me? Right. So it's, what are the implications for the FIFA brand here, at least from a partnership perspective? Yeah, I mean, this is communication as well. Uh, and, and and FIFA has had a very rough start mm. to the World Cup when it comes to this sponsorship case with Budweiser, when it came, comes to, to, you know, also the speech from, from Infantino. Mm -hmm. and uh, Infantino, I, that I, was the name. Yeah, yeah. and I think that in, in the aftermath of, of what has happened in the world in recent years, for instance, the global COVID uh, pandemic, mm -hmm. Russia's invasion of Ukraine, but also dating back to what has happened in the U.S. in terms of movements such as Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. And and we, we all remember Colin Kaepernick's symbolic actions linked to the fight for social justice. Right. I mean, we, we, we have come to a situation in 2022 where the critical lens, especially in the Western part of the world, has moved from communicating about negative impact to acting uh, via our time and wallet. Mm -hmm. So I think I think FIFA really have to look back at not only awarding the the event to to Qatar, but also in terms of how they want to to treat their their sponsors, but also the whole process of of exchange in terms of do we actually have any rights issues here? Do we give the sponsors what they intend to, to get out of this? Do we help them and their branding in terms of violating human rights, violating commercial rights? I, I, I mean, 
it, it, it's not a good situation. And I mean, there's a lot of work to be done from, from FIFA's perspective. Um, we, we, we saw that the NFL excluded Kaepernick for his protests back then. Which seems almost uh, quaint but, now. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, now things have changed. Yeah. Uh, we, we saw that when, you know, the the NBA, the team owners, the managers, um, they had to act with more sensibility and, and goodwill years later when, when their athletes and, and other central actors or stakeholders um, raised their voice regarding problems and challenges and bad behavior in the industry and in society at large because there is more athlete activism today. There is a whole new level of of you know critical reflections from consumers but also from the brand side so so i mean fifa needs to change from from within but also from the very top i mean the speech that we saw from infantino i mean consumers that was something yeah they, they, they know too much today and, and some of the brains doing business with an organization like that, it, it, it's not helpful to be associated with a World Cup in Qatar with human rights violations, but not having these brand conflicts come out through the media as well. Well, you, t- you you mentioned it too, right? It's not just that we have this platform to be able to speak our minds so clearly mm-hmm. about issues that we don't like. We also have this ability to dive in and research and be so aware of going back to like FIFA saying one thing and potentially doing another. We're all aware of this now. We're a lot of this stuff in the past used to just happen behind closed doors. The FIFAs of the world, I think, are still kind of coming up to speed on the fact that they can be fact-checked in real time. Yeah. And so I'm wondering, you know, I'm wondering if you think like this, this is the book about Qatar as World Cup is still being written. And there's a lot of there's a lot of soccer left to be played. And there's a mm-hmm. lot of great moments ahead and you know things that we can celebrate uh, on a um, you know, just on a global basis. The, you know, the excitement of, of the tournament and all the reasons why brands want to get involved. With it. Those moments are still to come. But is this World Cup so damaged right now coming out of the gate that FIFA has to take a step backwards for future site selections and say, we're, we're, we're changing the paradigm. We can't, we can't do it the way we've been doing it. Do you think that's the case? I hope so. Yeah. And, and I certainly think that we are closer than ever when it comes to seeing a change mm. and hope, hopefully I'm right here mm. yeah. because we, we have seen a movement over time, yeah. which is also, you know, emphasized by my Colin Kaepernick example and how things change mm-hmm. four, five, six years later. And we see even more athlete activism today. We see more activism from consumer groups, but also, you know, brains paying more attention than than ever um, to sustainability and CSR and, and, and such. And I mean, next time the World Cup will be in Canada, Mexico, the US, mm-hmm. it, it, it will be a different World Cup than, than this year. 
uh, I, I think this year it has been a joke so far, what mm. I've seen, also in terms of, you know, the opening game yesterday and the whole uh, ceremony. I, I wrote about this more than eight years ago that I feel that, of course, Qatar is using sport as a strategy in, in, in relation to soft power, in relation to geopolitical uh, positioning. I, I can't believe that the world has not seen that yet, that we are still seeing people boosting uh, that despite human rights violations, because they they are not looking at it with a critical lens. And here I'm talking about the decision makers, mm -hmm. because sport has turned into a money game. And that's a big that's a big problem because we also see this four-year world cup cycle i know that it's a little bit longer than usual because mm. not now the world cup was not played during the summer but in 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 november one but of the many accommodations yeah but we we have seen we have seen record revenue generation mm. for the fifa world cup but now i hope that with all the criticism that we have seen on on so me platforms in in traditional uh, media in in discussions at the dinner table in school at work on podcasts that, yeah on podcasts that hopefully <laughs> hopefully the governing bodies whether it's the ioc or, or or fifa have learned a lesson in terms of where do we accept our premium events to be hosted all right. So here, Kenneth Quartz, and what we're going to do is in four years time, we're going to check in again about the next World Cup and see where things stand, both in terms of Olympic site selections, uh, World Cup site selections, and see if some of the change that we've been discussing here has taken place. I want to thank you very much for your opinions. Uh, insightful, as always, as my global soccer oracle who knows everything and all all but before i let you go uh i have uh some lightning round questions for you i'm gonna ask you i'm gonna ask you a series of questions i just want you to give the quickest most yeah. accurate response you possibly can kenneth courtson global soccer oracle are you ready yes indeed oh, okay <laughs> what is a traditional danish food that you avoid at all costs Wow. <laughs> Come on, I know there's one. I know there's one out there. It gets put in front of you and you're like, God damn it. Uh, liver. Liver. Okay. Very uh, good. The famous Little Mermaid statue can be seen in Copenhagen. Other than that one, how many mermaids have you ever seen? None. None. Just that one. <laughs> yeah. uh, the Danish national anthem is Derud Undilan, right? Did I get Correct. that right? Correct. Can you please translate that into English? There is a lovely country. I mean, is there a better name for a national anthem than this is a lovely country? It's such a great start. Okay, last one. Who's winning the World Cup and how much money should I bet uh, based on your advice? Argentina is my bet. And, um, you know, $100, not too much. Wow, so, okay, so... you're pretty crazy with my money. Just throwing <laughs> it around. All right, $100, Argentina to win it all. Um, also... Uh, can you give a quick review on how well I pronounced the national anthem? Your Danish is excellent. Dave. <laughs> <laughs> and you, sir, are not exactly being honest with me right now. Kenneth Kortzen, global soccer expert, PhD, consultant, soccer coach, father of two soccer mad boys. 
Thanks very much for joining me today. Fantastic to join you and always a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this ADC Partners podcast. For more information about ADC Partners, please visit our website at adcpartners.com.